From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. In Queensland, a small town has been essentially swallowed by the expansion of a coal mine. For decades, residents have been fighting this mine, and the case could end tomorrow as it reaches the High Court of Australia. Today, Rick Morton on what happened to the town of Ackland. Population, one. Rick, what is Ackland like? Can you take me back 20 or 30 years and tell me a bit about the town? Ackland's this, this beautiful little kind of almost oasis uh, on the Darling Downs. It's between Toowoomba and Oakey, just west of the Great Dividing Range. It actually didn't exist before 1913 and they decided to put a railway through there. And it became this prosperous little centre in the middle of this kind of really productive agricultural farmland. Rick Morton is a senior reporter with the Saturday paper. And, you know, it was growing over the decades to the point where, you know, in 1989 it won Tidy Town of the Year, which the locals still talk about. And, you know, it, it was it was a centre for a lot of the farmers in the area. You know, they're just really salt-of-the-earth people who enjoyed the kind of, the calm, I guess, of living in a rural community. They lived a pretty content life. You know, some of the people in the town can trace their, their families back to the early 1800s um, in that area. So what is Ackland like now? It's, uh, it's a ghost town. It's almost entirely gone. There is only one landowner left and, you know, essentially a coal mine has been allowed to, to swallow the entire town. Can you tell me about the, the last man left there, the sole resident of Ackland? Who is he? Glenn Butel is the only landholder left in Ackland and, you know, he was born there, he's lived there his entire life, his parents married and settled in Ackland. My parents had done so much in the park. It had gone tidiest town in Queensland in 1989. People were moving here to, because it was, it was a pleasant place to live. I know so many people like Glenn from my upbringing. He's really careful with his words. He doesn't think what he has to say has a lot of value, even though it, it absolutely does. And his ideas are interesting and he's thoughtful. It, see, it's a complex situation and I don't like to miscommunicate things. And he was thoughtful in talking about this story because, you know, he, he was very clear to me that he begrudges no worker who earns a living in mining um, because he used to work in the exploration industry himself. I don't want to badmouth the industry or anything. It's just that in this case, their behaviour in Ackland and the surrounding area mm. has been awful. His issues are more specifically about the management of this particular mine that has so so eaten the town. So, Rick, can you tell me about this mine, the coal mine surrounding the town of Ackland? Right. So the coal mine's called the New Ackland Coal Mine. And it's been around, stage one has been around since, you know, 2000, the turn of the millennium. But things really got a bit dicey there from around 2006 when New Hope Coal, which owns the entire operation, they started stage two and they started expanding to within you know, 1.5 kilometres of the town of Ackland itself. They started systematically buying up almost the entirety of the town. You can't stop people buying and selling houses, and I don't make any judgments about the people who sold for whatever personal reasons they had. But under the circumstances, the company is supposed to be studying the environment, and in Ackland there was a, a social environment. 
people were fearful that the mine would kind of ruin their their quality of life so they sold they sold their their homes and their livelihoods to the to the mine itself and you know you can see in satellite images where it's disappeared but it wasn't just the the houses that the the mine started buying it was the community hall um uh, the churches, there's two churches that have been entirely removed from the town. Uh, the telephone exchange that they moved from one end of the town to the other, they started moving the power poles in, in anticipation of what they thought would be an expansion. And they even got rid of the trees, um, these Queensland bottle trees. And there was about 40 bottle trees from the town removed. We had a couple here that I planted when I was 16 and they, a large swag of those went to which were quite significant, um, and so some of them had to be moved to the National Arboretum in Canberra. You know, Butel says, the miners kind of survey the now disappeared town and, for reasons of narrative simplicity, say locals made the choice to sell up and leave a settlement that was already dying. You know, that was always their contention, that the town was dead anyway. It wasn't going anywhere. And they simply did everyone a favour by snapping up the property. But that wasn't the case. I mean, it wasn't fading away to dust like, you know, New Hope Coal would have you believe. But it has now as a result of this kind of almost like a war of attrition, I guess, between the mine and, and the, the town folk themselves. It's not entirely gone. Glenn's still there. But he says that people just have this idea in their head now that it's a ghost town and that no one cares anymore. It's like scavengers and, and bloody hyenas. They all come around seeing what... What, what they can souvenir. Yeah. People come up from Brisbane reading on the internet that it's the closest ghost town to Brisbane. Buildings are vandalised. And he says that the, the mine doesn't really care because it's always been, certainly, if not their stated intention, but it's certainly been a happy outcome for them that this town that they wanted gone is gone not just in, in a physical sense but almost uh, in the memory of a lot of people as well. You know, I, I did speak to New Ackland Cole about why they brought up the town. And, they, you know, they said there was nothing strange in the decision. And I'm going to quote from them. They said, as is normal practice, the NAC has also acquired land around the mining leases by voluntary private agreement with landowners as a buffer to the mining operations. They said there is nothing unusual that has occurred in the current circumstances. And look, they're not wrong. This is very normal practice. But it's kind of a chicken and the egg situation. It's like, would the landowners have sold their homes were it not for the really close encroachment of this coal mine. And so the mining company, the way it describes what it's done, it sounds like it's saying the town is the buffer. Yes. <laughs> Ironically, yes, the town became the buffer for something that obviously they believe is more valuable. We'll be back in a moment. The Every Moment Matters campaign provides accurate, evidence-based information and advice about alcohol, pregnancy and breastfeeding. It has been created by the Foundation for Alcohol Research and Education and endorsed and funded by the Australian Government. Alcohol use during pregnancy can lead to Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorder, or FASD, a lifelong disability. So make the moment you start trying the moment to stop drinking. Visit everymomentmatters.org.au to find out more. As a 7am listener, you're already familiar with many of the journalists who work for The Saturday Paper. For a limited time, subscribe to Australia's leading independent news source, The Saturday Paper, and you'll receive The Saturday Paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. 
Rick, with a coal mine encroaching on the town of Ackland for years now, what happens to the people in Ackland and the surrounding areas who've held out against the expansion? What has the impact been on them? It's left a lot of people in ruins, to be quite honest. I mean, there has been a decades-long fight against this mine. It resulted in the longest land court case in Queensland history, in the in the 120-year history of the Queensland Land Court. And one of the central figures is Eileen Harrison. She's a, you know, a former alpaca farmer, current pensioner. Actually, we lived outside Dolby on the Mooney Highway for 38 years, but we've been she retired about 22 years ago and she said that she spent about 18 of them fighting this mine. Oh, it's just been a marathon and the things that they have done, it has never been heard of before. And, you know, she's already had to move out of her dream retirement home. So her and her husband built this beautiful home, a brick home, three bedrooms. It was perfect for what they needed in retirement. She was saying that for the first time in the history of their farming existence, more than 90% of their cars started dying. Um, when stage two of the mine came within 1.2 kilometres of their property, her horses had these horrific sinus problems. She took them to the vet and their sinuses were clogged with fine dust from the mine. And the vet was like, well, we can clean out their sinuses for $2,000 a pop, but you'll have to come back in three months and do it all over again. And her alpacas were, you know, they were being born with birth defects and, and, and they weren't thriving. But they couldn't, you know, stop, stop the mining for anything or anything like that. It was just... So, you know, they couldn't stay there. But they owned the house which they built, but not the land underneath it. And because of that arrangement, they actually received no compensation from the mine. The compensation went to the landowner. They got nothing for it. Can you tell me more about the legal fight between New Hope and these residents? So, you know, in the time that Eileen and a whole cast of others have been fighting the mine, New Hope has been repeatedly sanctioned for its actions. Last year, it was actually fined for illegally drilling 27 bores and preparing a further 41 on land within its lease, but it's not designated for mining activity. Um, and, you know, the Queensland Department uh, involved in regulating this classified this as a serious breach. But even so, they fined them $3,152. That's all? Three grand? Right, which, as I said to Eileen, is the price of a used car. So th- there is this tendency to act first, get permission later. A lot of New Hope's actions have been entirely legal. It owned the land, it cleared and stripped and mined it, typically under the Ackland Pastoral Group, which is a company it wholly owns. So these were all perfectly legal things that it did. You know, it was perfectly legal. In fact, it was encouraged for them to buy up the buffer zone um, for any mine. It just so happened that the buffer zone in this case was an entire town. Mm. So where does Aileen Harrison fit into all of this? How organised is this effort that she's a part of? Yeah, well, I mean, they're, they're a scrappy bunch of local farmers, pensioners and, and community members called the Oakey Coal Action Alliance. It actually was mentioned in the land court case when it happened that, you know, a lot of these figures, it was like they'd come out of the film The Castle. It's something that comes up a, a lot in my job when I'm speaking to people who don't move in the circles that we move in, in, like in media or politics or law, and they just go, you know, look, we don't know what the law says or we don't know how, you know, you guys do things in the city, but they were saying that they've got a sense that this is wrong. The long-term future of the new Ackland coal mine on the Darling Downs is in doubt after the land court ruled against expansion plans. 
In 2017, the Oki Coal Action Alliance became the first community group in Australian history to actually defeat a coal mine in court, which was a huge deal. The state's land court has delivered a victory for the people, with the Darling Downs community winning their fight against the Ackland coal mine expansion, a decision many fought hard for. All our grandchildren and future generations can now work this beautiful country that has been getting destroyed. But it's not over just yet. The decision is ultimately up to the state government, the Mines Minister and the Environment Department. But the victory was incredibly short-lived because, you know, over the next three years there were appeals and counter-appeals by New Ackland Coal and New Hope Group. And the case finally reached the Supreme Court, which sent it back to the land court. But crucially, and this is quite important, it instructed the lower court to exclude consideration of issues around groundwater and intergenerational equity. Now, that was actually the issue that won them the original case in the land court. That was the most pressing concern for, for the judge or the member that heard that case. So with those restrictions now in place, the second hearing at the land court, which was before a different member, recommended that the mine extension be approved. So, you know, the Coal Action Alliance appealed, of course, and then New Ackland Coal cross-appealed in Queensland's Court of Appeals, which is the highest court in Queensland, and they won. So, you know, last year, Eileen and the Oki Coal Action Alliance applied for special leave to appeal that decision in the High Court of Australia. And that hearing takes place on Friday. Do you have any sense of what will happen? Look, it's an incredibly tough one. I mean, it's actually very difficult or incredibly rare for the High Court to hear or allow special leave applications in their own court. But if the Oki Coal Action Alliance succeed in being granted permission to appeal in the High Court then their fight continues. This is really their last chance. Because if they don't win, then all of the avenues for appeal have been exhausted. If the High Court appeal does not go ahead, then Stage 3 will happen. And Stage 3 of this mine, even though it doesn't include the town of Ackland anymore, will completely surround the town of Ackland. And, and Glen will be left in a town that will become an island surrounded by a coal mine and uh, with almost no access in or out. So... He's sad. You can hear the disappointment in his voice because this is a town that his parents in large part built. The park is named after him, Sputel Park. They made it pretty with the flowers and the trees. I had no intention or never had wanted to leave because I'd just, my parents had passed away and I'd always dreamed of living here yeah. in my retirement. And there are memories in this place. And he's a man kind of lost in time in that sense because the world has changed around him, but his memories are as strong as ever. And I'm aware of all the effort they went in to make the place a better place to live. And you get the sense that, and I think we could all agree, you wouldn't want to, he doesn't want to let them go. Rick, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Ruby. This year, the Saturday paper celebrates 10 years as Australia's leading independent newspaper. In that time, it's built a peerless reputation for quality journalism, for telling stories that are ignored elsewhere. Subscribe now at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash subscribe. Also in the news, peaceful protests have continued in America's major cities for an eighth night in a row. In New York, police arrested about 200 protesters, and in Washington, D.C., the National Guard fired pepper spray. 
Victoria Police has said it will not fine people attending a Melbourne Black Lives Matter protest, highlighting Aboriginal deaths in custody this weekend. Police are expecting thousands of people to attend the protest, with similar events planned in other Australian cities. And new figures from the Bureau of Statistics show Australia's GDP fell by 0.3% in the March quarter. Another fall for the current June quarter is considered certain due to the lockdowns, meaning Australia will suffer its first recession in 29 years. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.